A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to the Friday Five, my weekly update from the wonderful world of well-being. And this week has, well, it's been a bit crazy here, actually. I'm just back from my Italian break with the family, bounced straight back into my new house move. So I am sitting here recording this absolutely surrounded by packing boxes and cases, half of which I have managed to unpack while also trying to sort out the kids' bedrooms, get one ready to head back to school. Uh, Name tapes, anyone? Hmm, love that, don't you? Uh, Well, you may have seen a few pictures of the the behind-the-scenes mayhem these last few days on my personal Instagram, which is at Me, by the way. And of course, even those beautifully crafted photos of well-set-up corners of my new home belie the mess and the havoc of what is carefully edited out of shot. Well, I mean, that's the beauty of Instagram, isn't it? We all know that, or at least we should know it. It doesn't always reflect real life. I have also been getting ready for my middle son, Kit's first term at uni, teaching him a few life skills for his new life away from home, which includes things like how to work the washing machine. Well, you just shove it in and press go, don't you, Mum? Hmm. Uh, Teaching him how to make something to eat that doesn't revolve around pasta or cheese and trying to teach him the value of taking his vitamins and not drinking too much beer or something much stronger. Hey-ho, I guess we were all young once and as a parent, you know, it just doesn't get any easier, does it? You know, the problems, the worries, the concerns, they just get that bit bigger scale. Well, talking of bigger scale, I am delighted to be joined back on my pod this week by one of my favourite medics, Dr. Asim Malhotra, the award-winning consultant cardiologist and professor of evidence-based medicine, to chat about one of the truly bigger scale controversies in our healthcare at the moment, especially for those of us living at the second half of life, and that is whether or not to take statins. Now, we have touched on this before, so I thought we'd revisit in a little bit more detail, especially as Dr. Asim's brand new book has just been published. It is called A Statin-Free Life, a revolutionary life plan for tackling heart disease without the use of statins. And he joins me here now to discuss, as well as share news of his appointment as chairman of the registered charity, The Public Health Collaboration. So, Dr. Asim, a very, very warm welcome back. You are such a popular guest here and so welcome. And congratulations on your book publication. Thank you, Liz. And thank you so much for your um, fantastic supportive quote, which definitely had impact. So I'm very, very grateful to you. 
delighted. I'm absolutely delighted to, you know, to have been able to see it, first of all, and, and to read it. And I think it's a fascinating read. And I think, can we go back to the beginning for those who aren't really familiar with the whole statin story? You know, how did this come about? You are a consultant cardiologist. You've worked in the NHS. You've treated, I don't know, how many thousands of, of patients with, with heart disease. What, what's the backstory to statins? What are they and, and why are they prescribed? So uh, statins are essentially drugs that lower cholesterol, but specifically LDL cholesterol, which was um, has been seen as a bad guy for a very long time, many, many years in terms of it being linked to or causal as in fact, you know, most, most, if not all cardiologists believe LDL cholesterol to be the single biggest culprit or driver of heart disease. So statins have been prescribed um, for, you know, well over two decades now. And uh, this really began uh, when a trial called the 4S trial published in 1994, which, which was a randomized trial where they looked to see whether statins would help people at high risk of of heart attack. So people already had heart disease, actually, and showed quite a significant strong benefit in reduction of heart attacks and strokes. But actually, the reality is, um, Liz, when all the trials are put together and you try and figure out whether statins have an effect or a benefit, most people are surprised with what the actual individual benefit is, which we'll come on to. Um, but the, really, that's the story of statins. Um, and uh, they're so massively prescribed that it's estimated that Almost 1 billion people around the world are prescribed statins now. Good heavens. So basically what they do, they lower the LDL part of cholesterol. That's they do. The LDL mind. cholesterol, absolutely. Okay. So when the trials were done, the benefit was shown to people who'd obviously had heart attacks, who'd had strokes. But now they seem to be routinely prescribed pretty much for everybody who reached a certain age. Yeah. So this is where over time the um, the indications or the threshold, if you like, for prescribing these drugs has lowered so that now people who are otherwise healthy or don't have any heart disease are advised in many cases to take them. Uh, and that's where really the benefit seems to diminish. So just to put things in context, Liz, if you've had a heart attack or you have heart disease, taking a statin religiously every day for five years, um, you know, there's about a one in 39 chance that it will prevent you having a further heart attack or a non-fatal heart attack if you haven't had one and one in 89 i mean that's that's okay but it's not fabulous is it it's not fabulous and then one in 83 for mortality so in those patients one in 83 will have their life saved or death delayed if you like um and it's interesting you say that it's not fabulous so every every patient obviously has a different perspective when it comes to these sorts of stats but actually even if you you know as i write about in the book even if you look at, um, uh, you know, people um, who are given the, that, that information on a benefit of a drug without being told there's any side effects. So even if you, you're told there's no side effects from this drug mm. and this is the benefit, about a third of them, interestingly, would not take the pill. So this is for people with heart disease. And I even wrote a case study up of a, of a patient of mine who's a former, he was a former pilot with uh, Virgin Atlantic. And he had a heart attack many, many years ago. And he then suffered quite significant side effects from statins and did his own research and reading, but ultimately looking at those statistics. And he was actually a maths and physics teacher before he was an airline pilot. He made an informed decision not to take the statin anymore. He thought the statistics were pretty useless from his perspective. And he's a very well-informed guy. So even people with heart disease, many of them will decide that they don't want to take it. Then you move on to the lower risk people 
i.e. people who have not had diagnosis of severe coronary artery disease or have had a heart attack. And uh, actually, the overall benefit for those is, one, there isn't any mortality benefit, so they're not going to live one day longer. But there's about a 1% in 1% chance or 1 in 100 chance that it'll prevent a non-fatal heart attack or, or or minor stroke. And by the way, Liz, you've got to also understand that this is still based upon industry-sponsored drug trials. So it's likely that the benefits are probably, um, you know, the, one, the figures I'm giving you are probably actually higher than they truly are. So that's really the statin story, if you like. I think the problem is most most doctors are not aware of these of this data. They don't look at it in that from that perspective, even though mm-hmm. they should be doing, from an ethical point of view. And uh, clearly, most ninety nine point nine nine percent of patients aren't told this. Um, in my consultations with my patients, I always give them this information. I think it's really important for them to be fully informed. Um, and patients want to know that information. They feel empowered with it. And also, it's an, the other reason, Liz, is it shouldn't also give them the illusion of protection. Some people are given this, they think if they're taking a statin, the cholesterol is low enough, they can essentially eat what they like. Uh, and actually, there is data showing that if you take similar risk groups of people in middle age and follow them up for 10 years, the ones taking statins versus the ones that didn't were much fatter. They end up heavier, which kind of supports that, you know, that, that perspective. You think you're fine because you've swallowed the pill and all's going to be well. You mentioned their side effects. What kind of side effects have been associated with statins? So th- there's a lot of controversy about how prevalent the side effects are. Um, and, and data varies from, you know, uh, obviously the drug company sponsored trials and the scientists that support them say it's less than 1% getting anything that's interferes with the quality of life most commonly muscle fatigue and muscle pain. Um, but other data from real world data, you know, studies suggest it's much higher, um, you know, certainly in the region of 20, 25%. And, you know, and actually it also depends in, uh, on the individual and their background history. So if you're young and fit and you've got no other major issues medically, then actually you're probably much more likely to tolerate statin. But, but you're also... But, but exactly... <laughs> That's exactly the point. And the ones that tend to need them more, the higher risk people or maybe some of the older people, they are the ones that are more likely to get side effects. Having said that, um, you know, if you look at people over the age of 75 who haven't had heart, heart attack or, you know, diagnosed with severe heart disease, actually their, their benefit is, very, is even smaller. It's one in 446 in preventing a heart attack but no, no prolongation life expectancy. But lots of elderly people are being prescribed statins because yeah. really, you know, the, 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 the doctors are misinformed and then the patients get misinformed as well and, and over-prescribe these drugs. From my own family's perspective, my father, who's in his 80s, he was on statins. He hasn't had a heart attack. Um, and he continually complained of tiredness yeah. and fatigue. And when I looked into it, I saw there was a very interesting connection with this thing called coenzyme Q10, is is that something that, you know, if, if somebody is taking a statin that they should maybe be aware of that they might be missing? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons it's something involved in um, in, in energy for, through muscle, coenzyme Q10, and, and statins seem to knock it out. And some people yeah. feel that if they take this supplement that it actually helps with the fatigue. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, if they want to take that, that's fine. I, I just don't really see the point. I think if 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 a medication's giving you a side effect, um, my view is if you look at the trial data, those people with significant side effects were either removed from the trial before you know it started its you know uh, and before it started properly. Um, Can you uh, do that? 
Yeah. Oh, it's very common. That's another, you know. Really? Yeah. So, so one of the trials called the Heart Protection Study, um, they had, I think, 36,000 people enrolled in the trial and around 12,000 people were, in, were, were removed before the trial began. Um, Why? And within the six weeks. Uh, the reason they gave was non-compliance. As in, but basically what that means is most of those people probably got side effects and couldn't tolerate the drug. And then what they do is then the results are only reported on the people who have had, you know, who are then left in the trial, not the people that were removed beforehand. So there's more obviously skewing and bias than in terms of the interpretation of the data. That's so hard, isn't it? And I can imagine as a GP, it's incredibly hard because a lot of the information is provided by the drug companies. So you're very reliant on them having a degree of impartiality, which I guess is almost inevitably going to be hard to find. Absolutely, Liz. That's, that's one of the biggest problems and issues we have in modern medicine at the moment is, as I've written about and given lectures mm-hmm. on, is that um, because of this too much influence by the drug companies over even guidelines, uh, bodies, etc., ultimately what happens downstream, you know, for the patient and the doctor in the consultation room, is a doctor's then making clinical decisions about prescribing a medication uh, based upon biased and commercially influenced or corrupted, if you like, information, where drugs are, the benefits are grossly exaggerated and the, and the harms are minimized or, you know, um, and that skews everything, doesn't it, in the wrong way? Absolutely. Well, as a professor of evidence-based medicine, you, you must be making yourself slightly unpopular with some people in the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, but, you know, I don't think it's about being popular anyway, Liz, isn't it? It's just about doing the right thing. For me, you know, my duty is really? to scientific integrity into my patients. So I'm really not, you know, people um, are not happy with what I'm saying. I think they really need to take a good look in the mirror and ask themselves, what is their purpose of life? I mean, what are they here to do? Um, wow. You know, the, the ultimate purpose yeah. of knowledge is to reduce human suffering. So they've got to ask themselves, how are they contributing to society for themselves, for their kids, uh, by perpetuating mm-hmm. this, which is ultimately fraud, isn't it? It's fraud. It's, uh, oh, you know, goodness. fraud definition is um, wrongful wrongful or criminal deception for the purposes of financial gain. And I, and, and I think that, you know, I would very strongly argue, and this isn't about conspiracy theories, it's just the system, the way business is done. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the business model of the pharmaceutical industry is fraud. Uh, only a few weeks wow. ago, the, the former editor of the BMJ, Richard Smith, actually wrote a, an article. You can look it up online. It's free online in the BMJ. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, is it time for us to consider all health research to be fraudulent until proven otherwise? That's how bad the situation is. Oh, my goodness. And and how does this link with your new role? With this, let, let, Let's talk about this charity and, and, and your new chairmanship. How does it connect with that? Yeah, so the Public Health Collaboration is uh, essentially a, a grassroots organization that's made up of um, around, we've got around 200 healthcare professionals and 300 um, members of the public and patients, uh, ambassadors, if you like, um, the, the 200 for the Public Health Collaboration. So it's essentially... Um, you know, doctors, nurses, dietitians, pharmacists, health coaches. Uh, and our main aim, really, our campaigning mission statement is to clean up the health and medical um, uh, misinformation mess, uh, which actually causes so much damage to people all around the world. And uh, that's that's what I've been made chair of. And we are, you know, I'm in the process over the next few weeks to months writing a, a, a broader manifesto but there are different areas that we are going to tackle. Obviously, one of the primary aims of the of the charity, which doesn't receive any corporate sponsorships, it's just funded by the public, for the public, and we all do this work, you know, essentially for free. 
um, is uh, yeah, to reverse the obesity epidemic. That's one of the main things we want to do, really just shift and get people's lives healthier and happier. Uh, and, and part of that also is also, you know, getting a fairer society. Many people get sick, Liz, because of the circumstances in which they, um, you know, uh, they, they live um, uh, through work uh, as well. So, you know, people in very high demand, low paid jobs where they feel la- lack of control, that in itself is a killer. It's a huge psychological stress. And uh, and when you look at it, ultimately, a lot of the time, it's very clear that the, the pay that that many production workers and big companies getting is 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 so so low it's completely unethical and unjust that this happens uh but it damages your health and and um you know one of the things we need to look at is really the structural drivers of disease from a population perspective um at the root of many of these problems that we're facing are really structural issues you know um food environment poor regulation um the fact that you know uh, that you know, these big companies are allowed to market products that are harm, you know, damaging to health. I mean, how did we ever allow that to happen? It wasn't through democratic means, uh, Liz. It was just by stealth. It was very slow over many, many years. The you know too much influence of industry over politicians and even the law. So there's actually a lot we need to do. But I think what we will be doing, you know, in this uh, over the next few months to years as a campaigning organisation is really. Um, it's important that we, you know, speak in a language that everybody can understand, um, and and you know, through scientific and evidence-based processes, um, you know, convince people of, uh, or at least try and guide them towards having healthier lives. Ultimately, that's what we all want. Uh, but I'm very much a Democrat. I believe in democracy, so I think it's important that we we do this in a way that. Um, you know, most people ultimately will agree with that, that things need changing and this is how we do it um, so that it benefits everybody. This isn't about left wing, right wing, you know, for American listeners, it's not about being Republican or Democrat. This is actually about true, real democracy through people making uh, decisions about their health on all the information that's available to them. So that it's, you know, it's about informed consent. And unfortunately, the the world we, li- we live in at the moment, Liz, is, has got too much uh, influence uh, from these very big, powerful industries that are essentially, you know, manipulating the masses for their own commercial benefit. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Well, I have to say, it's really fascinating talking to you and to so many other medics over the years, really connecting the link between the food industry and pharmaceuticals and health. And I know that you've been a passionate advocate talking out against obesity and, and the amount of sugar in the diet, for example. You know, as a cardiologist, has that played a big role in your work? Yeah, absolutely. For me, Liz, actually, that's where it all started, um, you know, going back over 10 years uh, was the reason I sort of went into this, uh, became an activist as well as just a clinician was I wanted to try and understand why we had such a, a an epidemic of obesity, why there was an increasing burden of chronic disease, why we hadn't curbed heart disease. Um, and in that process, part of it through, you know, scientific analysis, um, I was able to figure out that a lot of the information and in science was flawed or certainly outdated. But then it was being perpetuated by very powerful commercial interests. And one of the things I did early on in 2013, as I wrote a, a commentary in the BMJ called Saturated Fat is not, not the Major Issue, uh, and really highlighted that saturated fat in foods like, you know, red meat and eggs and butter and cheese and that kind of thing, there was no strong evidence at all that links it with heart disease, despite this whole low-fat food movement. And in fact, refined carbs and sugar were probably a much bigger driver. In fact, the, you know, the major issue in terms of the diet, and that's what we should be focusing on. But I also linked in the fact that this focus about low-fat foods and everything was actually because of a misguided assumption that lowering cholesterol was the key to curbing heart disease. And uh, in that commentary, I really put it all together. I said that, you know, uh, low-fat, low-saturated fat were, foods were, were um, not helpful for people's health. In fact, probably having the, uh, the opposite effect uh, that they wanted. Um, and that we'd over-prescribed you know, millions of people on statin drugs and that cholesterol itself was not really a major risk factor for heart disease, which I've highlighted in the book. So I put that jigsaw together then, um, you know, with all, always with an element of, you know, the, if, you, if you're a good scientist, you also have to have some humility that some of the things you say might be wrong or outdated or, you know, that some other evidence may come that contradicts you. But if anything, over that 10 year period, actually, if anything, um, most, if not all, the arguments I made in that editorial, that 800-word editorial, which became a big news story worldwide, um, have been prov proven to be correct. Have actually been reinforced uh, even in an even stronger way than than I wrote wrote about them. You know, then that's well, that that's very gratifying. But it's 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 very hard that it's still very much out there. And I know I get lots of messages all the time, particularly following conversations with you and others when we talk about the benefits of high fat foods, for example saying, yes, but what about my cholesterol? So, I mean, I think before we go, is it possible to give us a, a, a quick sort of overview of why cholesterol isn't bad and, you know, potentially even why this whole idea that LDL is the bad cholesterol, why that, that might not even be true either? Yeah, so I think people need to understand first and foremost that cholesterol is a very vital molecule in the body. It has many functions. It's involved in, um, you know, the synthesis of hormones. It's, it makes up the cell membranes. 
the integrity of cell membranes. Um, and also it's, uh, uh, you know, what we found and what the, what's interesting, and that hasn't been fully acknowledged or accepted until relatively recently, it also has a crucial role in the immune system. And some research I published a few years ago with, with several international scientists, we found that LDL in over 60s had no relationship whatsoever with um, the development of heart disease and actually was inversely proportional to mortality. In other words, the higher your LDL, if you're over 60, the less likely you are to die. And it's because um, people, el- older people, I'm saying elderly anymore, 60 is not old, um, no. but older, pe- <laughs> older people are more vulnerable to dying from infections. And it appears that LDL and, and, and cholesterol seems to protect them from that. Um, and then when you look at the original data where this all came from as cholesterol as a risk factor for heart disease, laser, it was only really with people with very, very high levels of cholesterol. So an LDL of more than 4.9 millimoles um, and total cholesterol is above sort of 9.5, sort of 10 area. And those people, most of those people actually have a, a genetic condition, which gives they're born with this, um, you know, very high cholesterol. And that's called familial hyperlipidemia. And that affects about one in 250 people. So as things have evolved, what we've got to now, in fact, most recently, a, a piece in the BMJ, a research, sorry, uh, published in the BMJ that came out of Denmark, um, actually found, looking at over 100,000 people over 10 years, aged between 20 and 80, they found that the uh, what was interesting is that very low levels of, of LDL and very high levels of LDL were associated with premature death, if you like, or mortality. But actually, the bliss point was about 36 Um and uh, the reason why, so the high levels, very high levels of LDL is probably because a lot of these people with familial hyperlipidemia have genetic predisposition. And it's probably nothing to do with the LDL, by the way. I, in the book, I write about the fact that there are people with FH who get heart disease and people that don't, you know, even if they have no treatment. And the ones that there's no difference in their LDL levels between the ones that get heart disease and the ones that don't. So it's not LDL that's clearly the issue. It's something else. Um, and, uh, and, and at the low end of the scale... Well, you shouldn't lower your LDL too much. And we talk about less than 1.8. Um, there are two things that are associated with low levels of cholesterol. One is more likely to die of a fatal infection. And we talked about immune system already. But also, Liz, there's more cancer. So there's a s- stronger association of cancer with people with very low levels of cholesterol. And again, it could be related to the immune system. That isn't fully understood. Um, but what I would be arguing for is that really, um, and, and what I write about in the book, and is that lowering cholesterol per se, LDL, total cholesterol, when you look at all of the, the trials, uh, drug trials, I did a, a review, another a bit of research I published with two other cardiologists in BMJ Evidence-Based Medicine last year. We wanted to find whether it was true because it was a gospel, there was sort of like a, a mantra that's perpetuated and still perpetuated by a lot of cholesterol, doctors, lipid specialists, cardiologists, that for every one millimole you lower your LDL, there's a, a 20% uh, risk reduction in heart attack or stroke. And, and, and we thought this, you know, when we went into doing this research, this systematic review, um, we already knew that it was a lot of conflicting data. And my, um, I already had a, a, an idea that this, this data, this, this mantra, whatever else was cherry picked and actually was just essentially just pharmaceutical industry marketing. And what we found when we did the review is that there is no correlation. So there is no correlation with lowering LDL uh, and reduction in heart attacks or strokes. It's 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 not a scientific truth at all. Um, despite the fact the headlines today in the news is talking about this new cholesterol lowering jab, uh, I would be very very careful 
uh, about just accepting that as, as gospel truth. Um, unfortunately, the system is, is geared in the way that, you know, many of these so-called experts and scientists themselves get considerable fun- funding and money from the pharmaceutical industry. You know, that supports their careers, that supports their institutions. Uh, and, and unfortunately, that then sort of um, biases the discussion and the debate. And there's just one narrative coming through the mainstream media and people just take it as gospel truth. And that's just, again, it's just a symptom of our system failure, Liz. Oh, Asim, it's always so fascinating to talk to you. I, I wish we could carry on. Please let us come back. I'd love to hear more, particularly about the public health collaboration. And, you know, massive congratulations on your appointment there as the chair. And also, I highly recommend your book. I mean, it's called A Statin-Free Life, A Revolutionary Life Plan for Tackling Heart Disease Without the Use of Statins. And and it's very broad. It's a fascinating read. And I've already shared many copies with my family and Lovely. my friends. So thank you very much for joining us here today. Thank you so much, Liz. Well, that was all a bit fascinating, wasn't it? And, you know, what I enjoy about talking to Dr. Asim is not only his extraordinary breadth of specialist knowledge, but also his general care and concern for the overall well-being for humankind, as well as being an independent, free speaker and free from any vested financial interest. Much of the work he does, especially his research and charitable work, is given free of charge. And if you would like to help support this, you can find him on the Patreon platform. This is a really interesting website. I don't know whether you've come across it before, Patreon. It's filled with independent thinkers and creators. Do check it out if you're not familiar with it. All sorts of people are on Patreon and that's spelt P-A-T-R-E-O-N like kind of patron. I'm not sure actually whether it's pronounced patron or patreon. I say patreon. Anyway, if you would like to find Dr. Asim Malhotra there, you will find him if you search Dr. Asim, and that is spelt out D-O-C-T-O-R, as in Dr. A-S-E-E-M, Dr. Asim, all one word, on Patreon. Well, before I go, time for a few of your comments and reviews. So nice to pick these up from all sorts of sources. You know that you can email us here, hq at lizardwellbeing.com. We're also on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, all the usual suspects, YouTube as well, of course. Uh, This one actually winged its way into my studios from Lydia, came in on an email, and she says... I would like to say a huge thank you for all you do to represent us menopausal women and the information you've produced about HRT and in particular the work of Dr. Louise Newson. I got myself onto the waiting list and in June I had a consultation with one of the wonderful doctors at Newson Health. It was so great to be able to talk to someone who truly understood what I was going through. We spent 50 minutes, yes, 5-0 minutes on the phone. Woohoo, she says. So a little about me. I'm 59 and I have been postmenopausal for seven years. I struggled through the perimenopause and menopause with so many symptoms. She says I scored 42 on the Newson questionnaire, 42 symptoms. All I ever got from my GP surgery was, quote, you don't fit any box. It could all be your fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue. Hmm. I've had many tests for many things. Over the last eight months, my mental health has declined greatly. So, jump forward three months and wow, I'm on estrogel, brackets, four pumps, 
Utragestan, which is the micronized progesterone, and Vagifem. I noticed a difference within a few days. I didn't realize just how awful I felt until I started feeling better. My mental health has improved 90% and lots of improvements generally and a few symptoms that are not fun. Thank you again for all the joy of your Insta lives, your podcasts and downloads have given to so many of us. I hope you've had an amazing holiday in Italy and settle well into your new home. And that was from Lydia via email. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Lydia. I know that that will resonate with so many. And I'm very pleased to be a patron of the relatively newly founded Menopause Charity. And do check that out if you would like more information on all of those things that have helped Lydia so much. Um, another email here from Alice uh, from Canada who says, I live in Canada. I absolutely love all the information Liz and her team give to all women around the world. I've really enjoyed your menopausal tips as I'm a 54-year-old woman and have finally found a doctor here who would prescribe body identical HRT. I just want to thank you for all you're doing and I'm so glad I found your website. Well, hi Alice. I hope you're listening. Thank you very much for sending that to us from Canada. Um, this was a comment here from Barbara. This made me laugh. This was Barbara on Instagram who says, Welcome back, Liz. I've been on my holes visiting family in the UK. My car was so full of Liz Loves products, I was worried I'd be stopped by customs. I even had a box of the Rose Blush Kombucha. I've also got some NMN, which I've started taking today. Thank you very much, Barbara. I hope you survived customs. Um, this was from Tanya, also on Instagram. Uh, I'm back now live, obviously, doing my Instagram lives and she says today's live was lovely lovely to see you looking so well and I wish you so much peace and happiness in your new home new memories to make yes indeed Tanya once I get through all the packing boxes <laughs> I'm very hopeful of creating many more memories um Last but not least here, love this comment. Uh, this again from Miriam, and this was left for me on our YouTube channel. And she says, thank you, Liz. You're such an inspirational girl next door, more like a sister sharing her beauty and well-being secrets. And you so remind me of my days living in London. And we so appreciate that English flair over here in South Africa. Thank you very much, Miriam, for sharing that. And of course, it's lovely to hear from you wherever in the world you are. We so appreciate all your comments and feedback. It's lovely to connect and to know that we're connecting across the airwaves with so many, obviously, mostly in the UK, but around the globe as well. So if you are far flung, do ping me a message, do drop us a line. We'd love to know where you are tuning in from. And if you have a moment at the end of this podcast to rate it, just click the five little stars at the end before you click off. That would be so much appreciated by both me and my small but dedicated team. That is it from me for this week. I hope you enjoy this week's free weekly newsletter. That comes from my Lizard Wellbeing team of wellness warriors and me. We send that out every Friday afternoon. So I hope you are on the list for that. In the meantime, enjoy. Have a great weekend. If you're listening in real time, a great week ahead. And until the next time we chat, Go well. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.